This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well good afternoon everybody. Can I just say thank you for coming to listen to this final talk in this series of four talks on the four steps to salvation. When you look at the world around us, there are no doubt many religions. For example, on my way here this morning from the other side of the Penance, I have passed many different churches. The Anglican Church, the Roman Catholic Church, the Methodist Chapel, Baptist Chapels, and I could mention many more. But the point I'm trying to make is, all these different denominations use this one book, yes, this book, the Bible, as a basis for their beliefs. And when you examine these various religions, they all have different ideas about what you should believe and how you should conduct your lives. Now everyone cannot be right. So how do you decide which is the correct religion for me? Well the first point is, and is without doubt a basic requirement, you have to read the book in order to know what it contains. And to a certain extent, until you read the book, how can you decide what you know or believe as being correct? You see, by reading it, you are also in a position to make up your own mind. And that is one of the main reasons why there are so many religions. Instead of reading the Bible for themselves, they rely on word of mouth. They accept what they are told by other people. And then another factor, of course, is they follow in the example of their parents or grandparents. Because they attended a particular religion, it must be the, the correct one, and so they just follow on. Now, if you want to be independent and make up your own mind, over the past three weeks, we have looked at three stages you must follow. Well, first and foremost, you must believe. And by reading your Bible, looking at various prophecies, and seeing how they have been fulfilled, for example, you can form that belief. And you realise how what the Bible has to say is true. The second stage then is to have faith in what we read. And this is developed over a period of time. And as this is increased, then we are able to repent. And we realise that the lives we lead in this modern world, outside world, is far from that world that God intended. And when we then decide what we want, what we want to be, i.e. disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and want to be in that kingdom that will be established when he returns to this earth, you can make the decision to be baptised. Yes, a total immersion in water, a ceremonial dying, and being born again to a life in Christ. And this is where the challenge begins. How do you live a life in Christ? Well, the first thing I must establish is, why did Jesus have this ministry on this earth? What was the object for him coming into the world? 
And I think the simplest way is to look at what Scripture has to tell us. So to start with, will you come with me now to Luke's Gospel and chapter 4. Luke's Gospel and chapter 4. And this is what we read at verse 18. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. In this chapter, Jesus has returned to Nazareth and has attended the synagogue and is about to read from the book of Isaiah. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me, that is Jesus, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken-hearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And when Jesus says here he is to preach to the captives and to set at liberty them that are bruised, I don't think he's talking about prisoners and releasing them from prison but people who are troubled in the mind or are weighted down with personal problems. How can we then try and complete, compete with this mission? Well, I can assure you, my dear friends, that it is far from easy and straightforward. For a moment, let us think about a newborn baby. He or she has to be fed regularly, and by feeding every couple of hours or so, the baby develops and grows. Likewise, we have to be fed. We have to read the Bible on a regular basis to begin the food to uh, stimulate our spiritual needs. And we Christadelphians have what we call a Bible companion. And the Bible is divided up into daily readings. And by following the plan that is outlined in the companion, in a period of one year, we read the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. And it is by reading the Bible on a regular basis that we learn and understand the plan and the purpose that God has with this world. And what the full purpose was for Christ's ministry on this earth. And also it gives us much food, uh, spiritual food for our daily needs. And again let us think about what the Apostle Paul says. Will you come with me, first of all, to the second epistle of Timothy and chapter 3? Second epistle of Timothy and chapter 3. And we speak of the narrative at verse 15. Verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished in all his good works. And so before we can proceed any further, we have to think about the covenants that God had made with this world. What will we obtain if we try to follow in God and Christ's footsteps? 
What then is a covenant? Well, briefly, it's an agreement between two parties where there are benefits and responsibilities for the parties and that there are penalties for the parties if they fail to comply. And there's no need to turn to them, but I will give you the reference to them later, and you can read them at your leisure. But there are three covenants in the Old Testament I want to mention. The first is in the book of Genesis, at chapter 6. And at verse 18, we are looking at the period just after the flood, and that God was speaking to a man called Noah. And the agreement was given by God that he would not flood the earth again, and as a reminder of this, we have the rainbow as a token of this everlasting covenant. And the further account can be read in Genesis chapter 9, at verses 8 to 17. Now the same one concerned the patriarch Abraham. He was given the promise of a seed. He was told that this was an everlasting covenant between God and his seed. And the living descendants of Abraham through his son Isaac, are a constant reminder to us that Israel will never fail. Abraham was promised all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And in today's language, Canaan is that area around Lebanon, Syria and Jordan, and of course, Israel itself. And again, if you want to read it at your convenience, the reference is Genesis chapter 17, verses 7 to 21. And then the third and final covenant I want to mention is one what was given to a man called Moses. And under Moses, Israel entered into a covenant with God, promising that all the Lord had spoken, Israel would do. And in return, the Jewish people would be a special type of people unto the Lord. And this is recorded for us in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 to 8, and chapter 24, verses 3 to 8. But I must admit, this was something that Israel failed to comply with, and soon broke this promise. But anyway, as a result of these three covenants, this leads us then to the new covenant, which involves, of course, God's Son, Jesus. And this, of course, applies to us today. So let's remind ourselves of this. Will you come with me to Matthew's Gospel and chapter 26? Matthew chapter 26. In this chapter we are induced, introduced to the Last Supper and the partaking of bread and wine. So let's pick up the narrative at verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink it all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament or covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins and this is different to the one that was given to Moses because God now promises the complete forgiveness of sins and whilst the old covenant was common, constantly broken by Israel because of Jesus' Christ's offering which of course was by a sinless person we now have the position where all these covenants can be fulfilled. And what does this mean for us today? 
It offers the forgiveness of sins to many. And Jesus, of course, becomes our mediator and advocate. It is, an, an ever, it is everlasting, and it also confer, confirms the promises that were made to Abraham by God, and to David by God. And as a result of passing through the waters of baptism, we now start the Christian life as a new birth. We have been born again to a new life. Well, what does this mean? Will you come with me now then to the Epistle Paul to the Ephesians in chapter 2? This is a chapter that our President read to introduce this afternoon's talk. Ephesians chapter 2. And let's start reading at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, quickened us together with Christ. By grace we are saved. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that it's important for baptized believers to remember that at one time they were without Christ and strangers to the covenant of promise and having no hope in the world. But now, living in Christ, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In other words, before baptism we were dead, but through uh, belief and baptism we are made alive again. We are given another reminder by Paul. What would in Ephesians, just turn over to chapter 5, Ephesians and chapter 5. And we can read there at verse 8. For ye were sometimes in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You see, it is a result of the word of God, acting upon the minds of, per of the persons who will hear it, that such people have been born again through the word of God, which will live and abide forever. We have to lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy and envy, and all evil speaking. And like newborn babies, want the pure milk of the word, and thereby we can grow strong. In the book of Galatians, we are reminded that because the word comes from God, those who are begotten because of the word are the children of God. Just turn to Galatians and verse, and verse 26, and Galatians is the book before Ephesians. Galatians 3 and verse 26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in, Christ, in Jesus Christ for as many of you have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male or female for ye are all one in Christ and if ye be Christ then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Through the waters of baptism we become related to Jesus Christ. We can read how when Jesus was crucified he died and was buried and that he rose again on the third day. And that same act can happen to us. We can die but yet live again. Let's just go now to the book of Romans and chapter 6. 
And let's start reading at verse 3. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us that were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. And that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And it's also God's intention that all believers should develop characters like that of Jesus. And again, what we are, whilst we are in the book of Romans, let's just turn over to chapter 8. Romans and chapter 8. And let's pick up the commentary at verse 29. Romans 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus throughout his ministry on this earth made it abundantly clear that the new life that we have to lead would be a challenge. In fact, it's actually, uh, in fact, this is what actually what Jesus said. Can we just go to Luke's Gospel and chapter 9? Luke and chapter 9. Reading from verse 23. And Jesus said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But, throughout, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall be saved. Verse 26. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. By taking up a life of the cross, it is a life of doing God's will, meeting the needs of others and putting oneself last. The first aim of any disciple of Jesus should be to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and knowing that all the necessities of life shall be added unto you. This new focus means to you that you will look and search for the one to come. A true believer is now a stranger and pilgrim in this world. And why do I say this? Well, our citizenship is now with God in heaven, from which we also wait for the return of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, by trying to live this new life, learning from the example shown to us by Jesus, we can become a new person and develop the fruit of the Spirit. Just turn back to Galatians and chapter 5. In verse 19, we have a list there of works of the flesh. Adultery, 
fornication, idolatry, witchcraft, murders, drunkenness, the list is endless. But then in verse 21, we are told that they, that they that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then we are told in verse 22 about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And then in verse 26, Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And then finally, our new life should be evident to others and become a witness, enabling us to hold fast the, world of life, the word of life. By trying to follow in God's ways, save us from the physical and mental afflictions we are after a consequence of sinful living. The new life that we should try to live is a school where we can learn to develop and balance spiritual characters in which God can find fit to clothe and worthy of being unto the place in that kingdom that Jesus will establish when he returns to this earth. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Music